Amazing. Hey, thank you so much for having us here today. It is truly my privilege and my honor to speak to you this morning. We're huge fans of your church. We're huge fans of what you're doing as True North in this community. We believe that you're positioned here to reach the people, reach your neighbors, and reach your society. And it's so exciting. About We're so excited about the mission that you guys carry in your heart. So um, we're a big fan of you. We're a big fan of your pastors. They're amazing people. And um, yeah, it is truly, truly a joy and a privilege privilege to speak to you this morning. Now, um, last week I was sitting on the train and um, I don't drive, so I take the train. I can't drive because I've never learned to drive. It's a story for another day anyway. Um, I was sitting on the train going to work and um, I was thinking about today because I knew that I was going to come here today and I was, you know, thinking about what, what am I going to bring? God, what do you want me to share with these wonderful people of True North Malaloo? And immediately I felt reminded of the passage of scripture in 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, you know, the story about Elisha and the woman in the jars of the olive oil. And, uh, and I was like, oh, cool, okay. But I was speaking at the rocks last week. So I thought, let me just park that because I can't do two things at once. So I thought, okay, let me just park that. I'm just going to leave that. So I prepared my message, spoke at the rocks. And earlier this week, I came to prepare this message. And I thought, hey, you know what's a great thing to do when you're going to a church to speak? You just go on their website and you look at what the pastors are preaching about. You know, just so you get an idea, just so you get a bit of a vibe as to what's going on. So, so off I went. I clicked on the True North website and I, and I went to the watch and listen page and imagine my surprise when what do I see before me but a screenshot of Pastor Dean with the scripture behind him that says 2 Kings chapter 4 and I was like Pastor Dean has stolen all my ideas so now I'm a little bit stuck. But you see the thing that I then quickly came to realize is that if God wants you to hear a message from the same passage of Scripture two Sundays in a row, then I believe that he's trying to tell you something. You know, I don't believe that I'm here by a happy accident or by some coincidence. But you see, I believe that I'm here this morning to continue the conversation that Pastor Dean started last week. You see, I don't know how you came into church this morning. I don't know what happened with your kids. And I know it's 10 o'clock, so it's relatively early. Not as early as the 8.30 a.m., but hey, it's relatively early in the morning. But I want to encourage you right from the start to get excited and to get expectant for what God has for you this morning. Are you with me, church? Are you awake? Are you ready this this morning, because I believe that if you lean in today, if you lean in this morning, that you will leave here with more than you came in. So are we ready this morning? Are we excited this morning? Are we good to get going this morning? Okay, amazing. Now I can preach. Great. So we're going to read the story from 2 Kings chapter 4 again. And I know you've heard this before last week, but we're just going to refresh our memories and the words are going to come up on the screen. It says this, it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Oh, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. And hey, don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. 
verse 5. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, hey, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. Your son, you and your sons can live on what is left. You and your sons can live on what is left. Hey, right at the start of this service, I wonder if you'd help me this morning. I just want to ask you a question just to get a gauge around the room. So um, if you have ever or currently do now own a membership to a gym, could you just raise your hands for me? Okay, okay, a fair few. Just, just keep those hands up just, just a little while longer. Now, I just want to remind you before this next question that we are in the house of God, so we have to be honest with ourselves. Um, how many of those people with your hands up, how many of you actually have used or do currently use your gym membership? Just keep your hands up and everybody else can put it down. Okay, a few hands going down, but relatively, I'm glad this is an honest congregation in the 10 a.m., which is great. Thank you, everybody. So we've got a pretty, pretty active group of people here. Now, that's good to know. Now, you see, for me personally, um, I've never really been uh, a big fan of, how should we put it, um, movement. Never really a big fan of movement. You know, I find that I'm better when I'm stationary. You know, when I'm still, like sedentary, that kind of life is my vibe. Like, that just works better for me. Now, I moved to England from um, Sri Lanka when I was 19. I went to university there. And uh, straight out of university, I started working for a church there. And it was awesome. I was there for 11 years and until I met the said brown man on the floor. Not that one, but this one. And uh, we got married. And then last year, I moved here to Australia. So I love England. I still consider it my home, still consider so many people their family, and I love England. But you know, the one thing, the one thing that I just never got my head around from the minute I got there to the minute that I left last year was just this, this one thing. People in England love to go on walks. Now, you might be like, oh, yes, so do we. No, no, you don't understand. In England, it's to a whole other level. People just like to walk for the sake of walking. I don't understand that. It confuses me. There's no destination at the end. You're just walking for the love of walking. Now, for someone who's averse to movement like me, you have to understand, I just don't get it. It just confuses me. Like, we'd be chilling by the fire, and someone would invariably say, hey, do you want to go for a walk? And I'd be like, hey. Do you want to not? Because it's minus 20,000 degrees outside, because we are in England after all. And why would you just walk for the sake of walking? Just don't get it, Phil. Do you know what I'm saying? But you see, I was also very averse to movement back then. And I was so averse to movement, in fact, that the church that I used to work for, it used to be up, um, it used to be up this mountain. Okay. All right, Dev, it wasn't up a mountain, it was kind of up a hill, more like a hill, less of a mountain, more like a hill. Okay, it was more like an incline, shall we say. It was probably more of an incline. And, um, and I used to do this thing where, it's confession time in the house, I, I, I used to take um, a taxi from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill to get to church so I wouldn't have to walk up the incline. Some of you have lost all respect for me just in that moment. And I wish I could tell you I was making this stuff up, but I'm not. It was actually true. But you see, when I moved to Australia last year, there must be something in the water in Australia because guess what? You'll be very surprised to know I joined a gym. 
I know. No, 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 don't clap yet because we haven't even got the good part yet. I joined a gym and then, would you believe, I got a personal trainer. I know. And then I started working out six times a week. Six times a week. And I'm saying this at the 10 a.m. service. I usually train at 7 in the morning, so I'm usually up by 5.30 in the morning, most mornings of my life. So that happens six times a week. And then I lost 22 kilograms from last year to this year. I know. And I can now deadlift, didn't even know what that thing was before I started going to the gym. I can deadlift 120% more than my own body weight. I know. Who would have thought? Hey, don't clap yet because that's not even the best part. The best part is this. My gym, Tri-Zone Gym in Edgewater, your side of the, the river, they awarded me the member of the month last year. And I think we've got a picture of that. There you go. Some of you are seeing a lot more of me than you should, but there you go. They awarded me mem me member of the month. Can you believe that? Now that, listen, if you're here and you're not a Christian this morning, if you're not sure if Jesus is real, that is proof that Jesus is real. Because that, let me tell you, is a living, breathing miracle. That would never have happened unless the presence and the Spirit of God was working in some mysterious way. Now, you see, I've had a lot of moves over my life. I moved from Sri Lanka to England and from England to Australia. And, you know, to be honest, this move, this particular move, is probably not the move that I thought would impact me the most. You see, the physical changes were great, but what really surprised me was that when I started moving physically, there were so many other areas of my life that were impacted. It changed me in ways that I didn't think was possible. You see, now I find that I'm more determined than I was. Now I find that I'm more brave than I was. Now I find I'm more able to believe that I can achieve more things than I could before. Now I find that I've got more strength, more stamina, more grit, more fight, more perseverance, more persistence, more capacity than I ever thought possible. You see, I never realized that there was more for my life, but it was just on the other side of my movement. I never realized that there was more for my life, but it was just on the other side of my movement. Now, you see, movement is not just physical. Movement is also a spiritual stance. You know when you step out and you move and you take a step towards your dream, towards your goal, towards your vision? It requires courage to move. And you've done that just today. You've moved from one service to two. Now that takes courage to move. It takes courage to expect more. And Pastor Dean talked to us so brilliantly last week. It blessed me so much listening to his sermon. And he encouraged us to expect more. And why wouldn't we expect more? In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21, Paul tells us, Now to him who is able to do infinitely more than all we can ask or imagine. Our God is able to do infinitely, unimaginably, un incredibly more than all that we can ask or think or imagine. God always has got more for us. In the story that we just read, the oil never stops flowing, does it? No, the oil keeps pouring because God keeps pouring out because God always has more for us. But this morning, the question I'd like you to consider, True North, is what if our access to the more of God is on the other side of our movement. What if our access to the more of God is on the other side 
of our movement. And this morning, I believe I'm here, church, to challenge you to move to more. To move to more. I believe that what you're looking for as a church, I believe that what you're believing for in your lives, what you're believing for in your situations and your circumstances is just on the other side of your movement. We need to expect more first and then we need to move to more. And I believe that God is looking for a community of people right here, right now, who are ready and willing to start moving to more, to start shifting, to start taking some action, to start making some movements to the more that he has for you and for this community. And so for the rest of my time with you this morning, I'd like us to take a look at this woman in the story. And I'd like us to just look at her life and look at some movements that she made, because I want to show you this morning that her miracle was on the other side of her movement. And I believe that there are some movements that we can make that are going to get us closer to the more of God. So here's the first one. To access the more of God, firstly, I believe we need to move our mentality. We need to move our mentality from victor, from victim towards the presence of the victor. We need to move our mentality right at the start of the story. What does verse 1 say? It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets, she cried out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors are coming and they're going to take away my children. This woman, she cried out. She didn't just come to him. She didn't just make a polite ask of him. She cried out to him. Why? Because she was desperate. She was in a desperate situation. You see, her husband had just died and he'd left her with this great debt that she had no idea how she was going to pay. And now there were creditors coming and they were going to take away her kids. They were going to take away her children. She was in a desperate situation. She was about to lose everything. And if anyone had a right to be a victim to her circumstance, it was this woman. It was her. You see, sometimes when we feel like we're up against the wall and our chips are down and we have nowhere left to go, we get trapped in a victim mentality and we don't move towards our victor. What do I mean by that? Let me show you. You know, this woman, there was a lot she couldn't do about her situation. You know, she was a widow and in Middle Eastern culture, if you were a widow, you were the lowest down the pecking order. She was a woman, she couldn't go and earn any money to pay off the creditors. She couldn't change the minds of her creditors. There was a lot that she couldn't do in this situation. But you know what? Instead of focusing on what she could not do, she did what she could. She did what she could and what was that? She went and found the man of God, Elisha. She went and found the man of God, Elisha. Listen, I don't know what your situation is here this morning. I don't know what your marriage is going through. I don't know what your family is going through. I don't know what your finances are like. I don't know what your schools, your neighborhoods, your societies are like. But I do know that if you feel like your chips are down and you're back against the wall, you've played your last hand and now you've got nothing left to give, I do know that this morning I want to encourage you to start to move. I believe that you need to start to move, move out of a victim mentality and start moving towards your victor. Move out of a victim mentality that keeps you stuck and keeps you trapped and start moving towards the presence of God. You see, in Psalm 121, it says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, God is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the ultimate victor. He does have all the answers and he has your 
your answer this morning. You just got to move. You see, often what we think is our last resort is our most powerful resolve. Often what we think is our last resort is our most powerful resolve. He is the maker of the heavens and the earth. He has all the answers. We just got to move. Are you with me this morning, church? Okay, well, here's our second movement. I believe to access the more of God, we need to move our authority. We need to move our authority from disempowered to empowered. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at 2 Kings 4 and verse 3. When she had asked Elisha for help, what does Elisha tell her? He says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Hey, hey, don't just ask for a few. Then I want you to go inside. Then I want you to shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars. And as each jar is filled up, I want you to move it to one side. You know, sometimes when we go to God, sometimes when we cry out to God in our desperation, does anyone else find that he doesn't answer me the way I think he should? Is it just me in this place? Does anyone find that when I am crying out to God in my desperate situation, sometimes the answer that I'm expecting is not the answer that I'm getting? You know, when she, this woman, when she went to Elisha and she said, Elisha, help me, please help me. I am, I am down. I am, I am down in the dumps. There's nothing that I can do about my situation. Help me. They're coming to take away my kids, Elisha. What do we find Elisha doing? Well, to be honest, not very much. Doesn't do very much, does he? He, he doesn't give her any money to pay off her creditors. He doesn't send anyone with her to do anything for her. He, he doesn't go talk to the creditors and try to save her children. No, he doesn't do very much. But you see, instead we find that he sends her to do some things that she can do for herself. He doesn't do very much for her, but he sends her away with things that she had to do for herself. You know, sometimes in our lives, when we feel like we're back up against the wall and we are in our desperate situation, we expect that God will just wave a magic wand and he'll just make the problem go away. And often we find that God doesn't answer us the way that we think he should. Why? Because you see, his process will always draw out your purpose. His process will always draw out your purpose. You see, he will work in you and through you to empower you to use what he has put inside of you, to use what he has put in your hands to be the very answer to the problem that you're praying about. He will use what you have in your hands, use what he has put inside of you to be the very answer to the problem that you're praying about. Why? Because he doesn't just want to encourage you for the moment. He wants to empower you for movement. He doesn't just want to encourage you for this moment. He wants to empower you for movement. You know, in John chapter 14 and verse 12, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do these things, but he will do even greater things than these, even greater things than I have done. Jesus, that's a big statement. And Jesus says, I know, because I have empowered you to do what I have called you to. I have empowered you to do what I have called you to. God doesn't just want to encourage you for the moment. He wants to empower you for movement. Amazing. Is this okay so far? 
Fantastic. Well, here's our last movement. To access the more of God, I believe we need to move our capacity. We need to move our capacity from nothing to something. You know, when Elisha asked her in verse 2, he says, how can I help you? What, tell me, what do you have in your house? Tell me, tell me what is back in your house? What do you have in your hands? How can I help you? What does she say? I have nothing. Nothing. I've got nothing. Oh, I mean, I have a jar of olive oil, but, but really I have nothing. Because you see, very often we're so quick to see the lack. Very often we're very quick to see the emptiness. Very often we're so quick to see the nothing. But you see, often we find that nothing is not nothing, and in this case, nothing was something, and that something was a jar of olive oil. There was something, and that something was a jar of olive oil. You know, oil is used all across the Bible to symbolize the presence of God. In the Old Testament, we find that they used oil to keep the lamps of the temples burning, and that signified the presence of God. And when we look around our challenges and we look around our situations and we look around the problems and the trials and the battles that face us, we can be so tempted to be like this woman and say, I have nothing. There is nothing in my house. But that wasn't true. She had something. She had oil in her house. And you have oil in your house. You have the presence of the living, breathing God, living and moving and working inside of you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the grace and the help of our Lord Jesus Christ working in you and through you. And I'm here this morning to remind somebody today that God says in Deuteronomy 31 that you, don't, you have to be strong and you can be courageous. You don't have to be afraid or terrified because the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. In Jeremiah 29, he says the plans he has for you are to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a hope and to give you a future. In 2 Corinthians 1, it says that all God's promises over your life, every single one of them are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah 43, he says that when you pass through the waters, that he will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, the flames will not wash over you. The rivers, the waters will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You have oil in your house. You have the presence of the living God living and breathing and moving inside of you and this oil keeps flowing and it will keep flowing because God will not stop pouring out because the more of God is your portion the more of God is your inheritance God has not stopped blessing God has not stopped moving you have oil in your house so when you come to do services and you say hey how are we going to get volunteers are people going to come how is this going to line up with our budget is this a viable plan of actions I don't know but I believe that you have oil in your house you have oil and as long as you have oil and as long as the oil is flowing and as long as you have the presence of God living and working inside of you you have more than enough you have everything that you need you know very often we underestimate what we have because we overestimate what God needs we underestimate what we have because we overestimate what God needs doesn't need much it just needs a little oil it just needs a little oil and what he needs you to do is to use your oil to pour it out 
He'll multiply, He'll bless, He'll magnify. You just pour out your little oil. We need to move our capacity from nothing to something. And I'm nearly at the end this morning. But you know, when I look at this woman, when I look at her desperation, I feel her agony. I feel her helplessness. I feel her despair. She owed something. She owed something that she had no power to pay. She owed something that she had no power to cancel. And do you know why I feel for her? I feel for her because I too was this woman once upon a time. And hey, so were you. You see, we all owed a great debt. We all owed a great price, the consequence of the sin that marked our lives. But you see, just like God poured out to save this woman, He also poured out for us. But instead of pouring out oil, He poured out blood. The blood of His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, the atoning sacrificial blood of a sinless Savior who died on a cross so that you and I would never be slaves to sin again. We'd never have to pay a penalty for the debt of sin. Never have to be marked by the price of sin. Colossians 2 tells us this. It tells us that when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. He canceled the charge of the debt that was against us. He canceled the charge of what we owed. And so you and I are no longer in prison. You and I are no longer bound. You and I are no longer slaves to sin because He canceled the charge. And now we have been set free. We can come alive as sons and daughters of God. And you see, it's so tempting for us as we look around our communities, as we look around our society, as we look around our city, and we look at the desperation of people. We see the brokenness, the despair, the addiction. It's so tempting for us to say, God, God, will you move? God, will you act? God, will you do something on our behalf? And that's not a bad prayer. That's a great prayer. God, will you move? But sometimes, sometimes I think God says, hey, move. I have already moved. I moved 2,000 years ago when I sent you my son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. And then I sent you the Holy Spirit so that you would have the living, breathing God living and moving inside of you so that you can go and change your world. I have already moved. Now you move. I have already moved. Now you move. And this morning, True North, I want to encourage you as a church and as a community, but also in your own lives, you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving to more. You know, like in a game of chess, chess is a long game. This right here, this is only the first move. There are a lot more movements to come. So you got to keep moving. you got to keep walking. you got to keep believing. you got to keep fighting. you got to keep trusting. you got to keep creating space. you got to keep creating room. Because God has already moved. And the more of God for you is on the other side of your movement. And I believe for you here this morning that as you move your mentality, as you move your authority, as you move your capacity, you will have access to the more of God. God has already moved, church. And the question before you is now, will you? Will you move? Will you do something? Will you use the presence and the power of the living God that's moving and working inside of you? Will you move? Will you pour out your oil? And I'm going to invite us to stand.
all across this room right now. And as we end, and the team lead us in the song, why don't you make a fresh declaration of faith this morning? Why don't you give thanks to a God who has already moved on your behalf, a God who loves you, who has called you to a great purpose, each and every single one of you. And why don't you lift up your hands and lift up your hearts and lift up your voices and declare to God saying, God, thank you that you moved. Thank you that because of your movement, I am free. Thank you that because of your movement, I have no longer got a charge against me. There is no debt that is over my life. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. Thank you, God, that you made the first move. And now I want to declare, God, I want to give myself afresh to you that I am also going to move. That I'm going to move on behalf of all my friends who don't know this life, who don't know this peace. I'm going to move on behalf of all of the people in our community who are desperate, who are stuck, trapped in debt and sin and slavery. I am going to move this morning. So come on, church. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices and let's sing a declaration of faith to God this 